Welcome to an audio stream from San Marino Community Church, featuring sermons drawn from our pastoral staff and various guest preachers. That anthem is a wonderful reminder that our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ. We're in a series of sermons on conquering giants, and today our theme is pain and suffering. This is not an easy sermon to hear, and nor is it an easy sermon to preach, so I'm asking you to pray for me while I preach it, if I pray for you while you hear it. Fair enough? (laughs) Our scripture today is one of the hardest scriptures in all of the Bible from a very challenging book of Lamentations. And then Paul, who suffered a lot and had a lot of pain, he gives us a bit of advice in 2 Corinthians. Listen for the Word of God. Arise, cry out in the night at the beginning of the watches. Pour out your heart like water before the presence of the Lord. Lift your hands to God for the lives of your children who faint for hunger at the head of the street. And then Paul in 2 Corinthians, all praise to the God and Father of our Master Jesus the Messiah, Father of all mercy, God of all healing counsel. He comes alongside us when we go through hard times, and before you know it, he brings us alongside someone else who's going through hard times so that we can be there for that person just as God was there for us. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Gracious God, I pray you would pour through me the gift of preaching. Only you know, O God, what is in the hearts and minds of everybody who's come this morning and watching it on streaming video. But I pray that you would meet every one of us every single one of us at our point of need. Speak to us in a way that only you can, O God, so this message might not be my human words, but might be a word from you. And may we all experience today the presence of the living Lord Jesus Christ through this message. It is in Jesus' strong name that we pray. Amen. What do you do and where do you turn when you face the vicissitudes of life, the the greatest challenges of life? Where do you turn? Many people have life that didn't turn out the way they planned. And I'm wondering if there's anybody here this morning whose plan A of your life just didn't turn out the way you thought it was going to, so you had to go to plan B. Anybody ever have to go to plan B? I can see some of you saying, plan B, I'm already on plan G, H, and I. (laughs) But the reality is that for many people, life just doesn't turn out the way you planned. Or what do you do when the person you love the most in all the world gets a diagnosis that you didn't want? It's stage four of cancer, or it's dementia, or it's Alzheimer's. What do you do? What do you do when a child or somebody you love very much, maybe your best friend, they have faced an addiction 
And now they're able to say, I am an alcoholic, or I'm a drug addict, or I have an addiction problem. But you know well enough to know that they're going to go to 30 meetings in 30 days and 60 meetings in 60 days and 90 meetings in 90 days. And if you're in a family or best friends with such a person, it is not an easy road to walk this road of pain and suffering. And what do you do when death knocks on your door? And it's your sister or your brother or your parent Or what if it's your husband or your wife or a child? And what do you do if a member of your own family takes their own life and commits suicide? Where do we turn in these times? This message on pain and suffering is not easy. And frankly, if we're all honest, and if I'm honest, we'd like to avoid it. We're in a good time in our life, a good season in our life, and we say, you know, I'd like to avoid this sermon altogether. I'd like to avoid these scriptures on pain and suffering. I'd like to avoid pain and suffering altogether. But the reality is, make no mistake about it, that pain and suffering is the human experience. It is the universal human experience. I've come to believe that pain and suffering are the greatest teachers in the world. Waiting is also a great teacher, but we've got enough for this morning. We'll get to waiting later. But pain and suffering, I believe, is the greatest teacher in the world. In fact, you can learn lessons in the school of hard knocks that you can't learn in any other way. This morning, I believe God wants to lift up to every one of us three indispensable life lessons that God wants to teach us when we have to enroll in the classroom called suffering. And I hope and pray that these words will hit every one of us at our point of need. And whether we need them or not today, these words will ring in our minds. We might remember the truth of them for whenever pain and suffering comes our way, for it surely will sometime. Life lesson number one. When pain and suffering comes your way, be honest, gut-level honest, totally honest with God. One of the gifts of the book of Lamentations, and it's not an easy book to read, believe me, I was pastor in New York City after 9-11, and we read the book of Lamentations often, and it is not an easy book to read or to study, but one of the gifts of it is it gives us permission to be gut-level honest with God. The background of Lamentations is it was written after the kingdom of Judah, the, the southern kingdom, and the northern kingdom was Israel, the southern kingdom was Judah. It was written right after 587 B.C., before Jesus Christ, when the city of Jerusalem was sacked and the temple was destroyed and the kingdom of Judah was taken over by Babylon and many of the best and brightest intellectuals, the artisans, the the brightest and the best people in Judah were taken into Babylonian captivity. Now imagine the scene as they're leaving Judah and their families are weeping and wailing. They don't want these people to go because they're the leaders in their family and society and they don't want them to go to Babylon. And the Babylonians took the very best people, the artisans, the the skilled laborers, and they took all that away, and the families are weeping and wailing. We might never see our family members again, and some of them never saw their family members again. And the people who were left were lonely and bereft and grieving, and they were weeping and wailing before the Lord. And, And you remember Lamentations, the scripture we just read said, pour out your heart, pour out your heart, all that's in your heart toward the presence of the Lord. And raise your hand before God 
because your very children are fainting with hunger at the end of your street. The people who were left in Jerusalem and in, in Judah really had very little. They would try to pick up the pieces of their lives and find food to eat, and there was food nowhere for their children, and people were literally dying of starvation. It was a terrible time. Lamentations is a picture of utter despair. But could I be even more honest with you about lamentations? It's not only a picture of tragedy, it's, it's also a picture of a group of people who actually fell into a crisis of faith. They didn't know whether they could believe in God anymore. They, they believed in God, but they didn't know if they could. They were angry at God, and they shook their fist at God, and they had a crisis of their faith. We've always thought that God was with us, that God was on our side. The people of Judah and in Jerusalem were some good people, but they were bereft, and they really wondered, has God caused all this to happen? Or is God allowing it to happen? And if God's allowing it to happen, what kind of a monster is God anyway who would allow this kind of thing to happen? And they shook their fist at God and they're mad at God. And Lamentations gives us permission to be angry at God. So I wish I could talk to every one of you alone. I'd love to ask you, have you ever been angry at God? I mean, really angry? Have you ever shook your fist at God? And have you ever cursed God? other than on the golf course when you hit a bad shot? Have you ever cursed God? C.S. Lewis, the apologist, cursed God. C.S. Lewis was a scholar. He was an intellectual. He was a crusty old Oxford don. And in 1940, he wrote a book that many of us have read. I've read it several times. I've actually taught a course on it. It's called The Problem of Pain. It's a great book. But you know what's missing from The Problem of Pain? the reality of human suffering. C.S. Lewis writes the problem of pain from an intellectual academic point of view. It's a great book, don't get me wrong. I've read it and I like the book, but there's something missing, and I think it's the human emotion of suffering and pain. See, C.S. Lewis always thought he was a confirmed bachelor all his life. He was never going to marry, never going to meet a woman, never going to get involved romantically, and he believed that Friday night's were a great time to smoke a cigar and have some whiskey with intellectual friends and talk about all the philosophical problems of the universe rather than going dancing with a woman. He just didn't know. He didn't get it. He didn't get the joy that could come out of meeting somebody. But then the most interesting thing happened to C.S. Lewis when he was 59 years old. He fell in love with a woman named Joy. Isn't that interesting? And his autobiography is called Surprised by Joy. And he fell madly in love with Joy Davidman. Joy Davidman was 42 years old, 17 years younger. She was a Jewish divorcee. You talk about an unlikely person to get involved with C.S. Lewis. And she'd been a communist earlier in his life, but get this, she was converted to Christianity by reading C.S. Lewis's book, Mere Christianity, and studying some of his great books. And she became converted to Christianity, fell in love with C.S. Lewis, they got married, and for two years, for two years, they had a wonderful life together, and then she got cancer, and she died in 1960, 20 years after he writes The Problem of Pain. So in 1961, he writes A Grief Observed, and I hope everybody can read that book, because in that book, Lewis is angry at God, he's shaking his fist at God, he's mad as heck with God, and he tells God, he's telling God off, and he said, God... I prayed for healing. 
I got all my Christian friends together, and we laid hands on Joy, and we prayed for her to be healed. And it was like you slammed the door, and it's like the bolts were, when I tried to unlock the door, you slammed the bolts inside one after the other, going home, going home, going home, and the door's not only slammed shut, but it's locked tighter than a drum. And then when I cry out to you, there is only silence. What kind of a monster are you, God? This is C.S. Lewis talking to God. Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever talked to God that way? You know, Suzanne and I have seven grandchildren. We have two sons and seven grandchildren, two magnificent daughters-in-law. But I got to tell you, the thing I love most about being a grandfather is watching our two sons be fathers. And I have watched these two boys. They've got four boys between them, three girls between them. I have watched when these kids come home and they're sobbing. I remember once one of our older son Ryan's little girls came in. She was sobbing and sobbing and sobbing. And Ryan's a tall six-foot-two-inch guy. He rode crew at the Naval Academy. And he just bent down, got on his haunches, and put out his arms to her. And Hope came over to him. And he hugged her and hugged her. And she was sobbing. She was inconsolable. And he just said to her, Hope, tell Daddy all about it. And I looked at that, and I remember thinking to myself, that for that girl, he's there. He's the only person in the world, and she's the only person in the world for him. He's given her undivided attention, and she sobbed and sobbed. This is what it's like to have a relationship with God. Be honest with God. And God wants us to tell Daddy or tell Mommy all about it. That's life lesson number one about pain and suffering. Life lesson number two, after being honest with God, share your pain. We're independent. We want to keep our pain to ourselves. We don't nobody to know about it. How are you doing, Tom? Fine, thanks. How are you? But I'm suffering inside. But I say, fine, thanks. How are you doing? Oh, we're fine too. And so we don't share our pain with each other. But lamentations is really, I won't dwell on it, but it's, it's, it's a, written in such a way that it's a series of laments. Lamentations has the 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet. It's like an acrostic. So it's got a lament for every letter of the Hebrew alphabet, so it's easy to memorize is the point. So people would memorize these lamentations, these laments, and on the anniversary of the destruction of the temple, August 9th of 587 B.C., they would share these laments, and there was comfort in being with somebody in the pain you're in. It didn't change the course of history. Remember that. But it did help us to bear the pain together. So, where are you in pain? The Armenians last Monday, April the 24th, did you read about it in the paper? In, in many Glendale and many places in our city of Los Angeles, Armenians gathered for Armenian Genocide Remembrance Day when they remember that a million Armenians were killed. It was a terrible time between 1915 and 1922. You know the story, perhaps, but, but they gathered in remembrance. It didn't bring their loved ones back. It didn't solve the problem. It didn't erase the history, but it, it was painful, and then they could bear it to pain together. It gave them comfort. The Apostle Paul, who faced much pain and much suffering in his life, and he describes it vividly in detail in his letters, 
but he had pain and suffering in his life, and yet he said this, God helps us in our troubles so we can help others in their troubles using the same help we've received from God. And what it's suggesting is that our pain is not just for ourselves to bear, it's for other people to help us bear, and when we bear our pain, it is to help somebody else in their pain. There's a, a bond that comes together in suffering. Some of you who live at Monte Vista Grove know all about this. I mean, some of you are widows and widowers. I know some of you at Monte Vista Grove will gather regularly with widows and widowers at Monte Vista Grove, and, you, and it doesn't bring your loved one back. It doesn't bring your spouse back, but, but as you gather together and share the pain, it, it's comforting. Is anybody here in Alcoholics Anonymous? I've talked to several of you who Whenever I've mentioned Alcoholics Anonymous in a sermon, you come up and thank me because there's a, a, a bond and pain that you can't get in any other way. There are lessons you learn in the school of hard knocks. There's support you learn in the school of hard knocks. You can't get it any other way. And anybody here who's ever lost a child, and if you bear that together with other people who've lost children, it doesn't bring them back, but it, there's something about shared pain that's amazing. I was pastor of a church in Houston, Texas, Memorial Drive Presbyterian Church. I, I love that church. And in 1990, I was there, and we had a dollar-for-dollar dollar church. We gave a dollar to the needs of the world for every dollar we spent on ourselves. It was a magnificent congregation. But in 1990, we had a $25,000 surplus. We never had a surplus. We were, at the end of the year, trying to make every dollar together so we could do this thing of giving away half our money to people in need. And so we had a $25,000 surplus. What are you going to do with it? Well, the session decided we'd give it away to others. And a woman on our church, Ann Shaw Turnage, married to one of our associate pastors, said, you know, I've, I have stage four cancer, colon cancer. I'm not expected to live. She said, my diagnosis was a few years ago, but I prayed to God that if I could just live a few years, maybe I could start a ministry. And she said, I've got a name for the ministry. We said, what is it? She said, can care, cancer care. People who have cancer care for people who have cancer. People who have family members with cancer care for people with cancer can care. She said, I think it could catch on here in Houston. We used that $25,000 to hire a staff person to help us, but then we took a full-page ad of the Houston Chronicle. A full-page ad. One out of every four families in Houston, Texas suffers with cancer. Is there a member of your family suffering with cancer? And then we put in big, bold letters, when cancer happens to you, don't be alone with it. Call Can Care, a group of compassionate people, the word compassion means to suffer with, who can give and receive help. Don't bear it alone. Well, that week after we put in the ad, we got 100 phone calls, 100 cancer people called up. We had Jewish people in this program. We had Christian people in the program. Churches, synagogues all over Houston, Texas were involved. Well, then by the time I left Houston, there were 3,000 people involved with cancer survivors. I looked at the CanCare website this week. I almost cried when I read it. CanCare was started in 1990 by a gift from the church, and Ann Shaw Turnage was the first director. She had colon cancer, wasn't to survive. Ann Turnage is still alive, by the way. And do you know that there in Houston, Texas today, there are 550 volunteers who walk alongside cancer survivors, and there's 25,000 people in the city of Houston with cancer, or their family members with cancer, and CanCare is ministering to all of them. Now, here's the thing. 
Can care doesn't cure cancer. But you don't want to be alone with cancer. In fact, the website says, you know the worst thing about cancer? And you expect it to say death. No, the worst thing about cancer, being alone with it. Can care is changing people's lives. It doesn't solve all their problems, but there's a shared pain that nobody can experience unless you've walked down that road. When pain and suffering comes your way, and mine, I hope we'll be honest with God. I hope we'll share our pain. But the third life lesson, this may be hardest of all. A crisis is an invitation to a deeper walk with God. Yes, we can curse God sometimes, but notice when we're cursing God, at least we're in dialogue with God. At least we're letting God into the pain. A, a Jewish rabbi was teaching the greatest verse in the Old Testament in Deuteronomy. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and lay those words on your heart. So when the rabbi taught that verse in Deuteronomy, one of the students, when the rabbi took a breath, said, Rabbi, what do you mean? Why does the scripture say, lay those words that are so important on your heart? Why doesn't the scripture say, put those words in your heart? And the rabbi said, oh, son, the reason is that we're a stubborn people. Our hearts are closed we can't let God or those words in. So God, in God's wisdom, lays those words on our hearts, and then one day our heart breaks and opens, and the words fall in. Has that ever happened to you? Has your heart broken by something, and all of a sudden God just falls in? The words fall in, God falls in, God's love falls in. This happened to two dear friends of mine at Memorial Drive Church in Houston, Texas. God came into their life when they both had a broken heart. One was named Don, another named John. I, I wish you could meet them. They're two of the finest people I've ever met in my life. Don was a vivacious, energetic, cancer, cancer he was a tennis player, Wonderful person. He'd survived some things in his life. But then Don had a stroke. Paralyzed half his body. Slurred speech. Couldn't talk. And this vital, vivacious tennis player, a wonderful guy who, who was a great business leader and chaired our building campaign at the church, he was paralyzed. Couldn't do anything. So John, one of his best friends, said to a group of guys, let's meet with Don every Tuesday morning at 7 o'clock. Let's go to his house. We'll bring breakfast, bring donuts or scrambled eggs or whatever, coffee, and we'll have breakfast with him. We'll talk together. And they did that for years. Actually, that's gone on for a long, long time, many, many years. It's still going on today. But several years after they first started, I hate to mention this. I'm really sorry, but John's daughter, Christine, on a Friday night, went missing. And they looked for her all Friday night, and all day Saturday, and all Saturday night, and all day Sunday. And Sunday night, they found her. And she'd been murdered. She was under a tarpaulin in the woods, 
in thick brush. Well, John, of course, and his wife and family were in grief. So Tuesday morning at quarter to seven, John calls the group and says, you know, calls Don's house, speaks to Don's wife, because Don had the stroke, his voice is slurred. He said to Don's wife, Virginia, I, I hope the guys will understand, but I just can't come today. I mean, Christine has been murdered. They found the body, and we're just in total grief, and I, I just can't see anybody. And Virginia understood. She said, I'll tell Don. He won't be here. But then Don takes his wheelchair and wheels out into the kitchen where Virginia's on the phone, and he said, tell John. Don's got slurred speech. I won't imitate it, but it, it's, I, I saw him this October. You can barely understand the guy, but he said through his slurred speech, tell John he may not be able to come to the group, but I need him. I need to see him. So... John drives over in his car, a beautiful car, beautiful dressed man, handsome man, gets out of his car, he's bereft, and Don, as Smith, has wheeled his wheelchair to the end of the walk, and Don's sitting there, he can't get up, can't stand up, paralyzed half his body, and Don, all he said to John is, held out his arms and just said in a slurred voice, come. And John came. He got out of his car, walked over to Don, and John knelt down, and Don just hugged him. And the two of them sobbed and sobbed and sobbed. And John told me later that when he felt the arms of Don around him, he experienced the presence of God. And he actually felt surrounded by Jesus. I don't know when pain and suffering will come your way, but I know this. When pain and suffering does come your way and mine, we must be honest with God. We gotta share our pain. We gotta remember that a crisis is really an invitation to a deeper walk with God. And my dear San Marino friends, I pray that if and when this happens to us, I pray that we will feel as John and Don did, that we are enveloped by the presence of Jesus. May it be so. Amen. You have been listening to a production of San Marino Community Church. Find our worship services on YouTube or subscribe to our podcast on Spotify.